We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Ave Everybody, stay with Sons Fidel and Sebastian and Rosario Konarski. Konarski? Konarski. Almost got it right. Yeah, almost. <laughs> Konarski. I've heard it. Konjarski. Konarski. I've heard it so many, so many different versions. He's a Boston guy. No one cares. Boston, <laughs> right. my, I take it. They're friends with my brother, so my brother calls me up, tells me about these guys, and tells me, oh, so he's, yeah, sure, no problem, have him contact me, you know, forget about it. So, Sebastian, Rosario, welcome. Good morning, good morning, wherever Thank you are. You. And, so how are you guys? What you got, who are you guys? What, why is, why did my bro tell him, tell you guys to give me, or get a hold of me, or me to get a hold of you, or however that happened two weeks ago? Uh, well, we talked to your brother, Father, Father Cunningham, Father Michael, and we told them that we want to start our own independent film production company. And we told them some of our plans, and he went, that's amazing. That's brilliant. So let me give you Steve's number. Let me call him up first. And that was that. Was that. Did he say brilliant? Because I'm immediately thinking of the Guinness commercials off, all, right off the bat. Brilliant! He didn't. No. No. No, he was a little, it was a Sunday evening and he was exceptionally tired because we have a lot of masses on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. here's so a little busy. a very large parish. Here's uh, a little busy. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes so, he makes, you know, he tells me once in a while, you know, there's nothing to do here. You know, so. <laughs> so how'd you guys get started in acting? Well, so, um. I was always an actor. I started out acting actually when I was a child. So I grew up in Boston. I grew up actually in the North Shore, Salem, Massachusetts. And I went to school six days a week. Monday through Friday was regular school. And Saturdays, I went to Polish language school. So I grew up with, I grew up, Polish was my first language, and English was my second language when I started going to school, but I grew up speaking Polish in the household, and in this Polish school, the Polish school was in Lynn, Massachusetts. Lynn, Lynn, the city of sin, you never come out the way you come in. That's the saying for when. <laughs> <laughs> so the Polish school was run by a church, a Catholic church, and the director was a Catholic priest, obviously. The director was the priest, the pastor. That so, would be that would be different if it wasn't. That's right. Just, yeah. But every year we'd have plays. I would get one of the main roles in this play. And after all, and we would do it like a couple times a year. We'd do it during Christmas, Easter. We'd do it during Polish patriotic days. So after every play, the priest would shake everyone's hand and he would take me to the middle of you know, the stage and say, this young child is going to be an actor one day. So fast forward, um, I graduate college. I took a long, you know, professional hiatus during that time. That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny guy, this guy, yeah. So after college, I graduated and I moved to Spain for two years. I got a job at a university, Universidad de Castilla-La Mancha in Albacete. So I, so I learned Spanish, that's my third language, so I'm trilingual. So I signed up to do two years. Does Boston count as a language? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I yes. think it's its own language. Yeah, hey. Yeah. <laughs> it comes and goes. Sorry, go ahead. But anyway. <laughs> But anyways, I, um, what happened was after my first year, because I was, I was a university professor there, a lecturer, 
after my first year, I was in, I was, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. And I remember now this priest that at the Polish school, he died in the early 2000s. So one day, this was in the summer between semesters. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had a dream. It was a vision. I had a this dream today. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I have these outbursts. Can you see? No, that's, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So, the priest comes into my vision, comes into my dream, and he says, "What are you doing here? You're an actor. You go back to to to, to the United States. Go back to Boston and start being an actor." So, I woke up. I quite didn't understand what happened. I was praying about it. I discerned it. It wasn't like a split decision and I said, okay, yeah, I'm gonna do that. So I actually thought about it and I, that's when I decided, okay, I think this is something that I really wanna do. So I finished my second year in Spain, but that's when I started to, you know, educate myself in the art of acting, Stanislavski, Meisner, and some of the, the methods and the people, the guys who pioneered what acting is today. and. Um, and also when I was a kid, my first rated R film was Terminator 2. And I thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was the man, you know, just riding on that motorcycle, loading the shotgun with one hand, flipping it, fighting the T-1000. I thought, this is it. I could, I thought about those days when I was older and I said, yeah, this is pretty cool. So after Spain, I moved back to Boston and I enrolled in some acting classes and I did also three months in New York. I studied in the HP studios, Herbert Bargaroff studios. That's where Pacino went, Marlon Brando, De Niro, some of the greats went there. And after that, I moved to LA in 2013. And over there I studied under a guy who protégéed and took over the classes of a very famous acting coach called Roy London. If you look up some YouTube videos on Brad Pitt and his, his acceptance speech on an award he won, he mentions Roy London and how he dedicates this award to him. And he coached whoever you see on screen today. He coached a lot of big names. And so the guy I, I studied with out there was his protege him. So Wicked and, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Are, are we going to hear a wicked awesome anytime during this? It's wicked. <laughs> wicked awesome, yeah. <laughs> wicked smart, wicked stupid, wicked whatever. I thought that was just in the movies and the TV shows. And then when we went to visit for the first time, I was shocked. I had a hard time not laughing out loud at everyone saying, wicked this, wicked that. <laughs> you sat off your day in Dunkin' Donuts with the medium cream and sugar, a couple smokes of Parliament lights, and you're good. Yep. Rosario. I'm not an actress. Um, I spent time on the stage, but in different ways. So I grew up, I was a dancer from a very young age, grew up performing on stage, loved it. Um, I love a live audience. Uh, cameras actually make me nervous, but um, which some people find hilarious. Like, um, yeah, and I, my parents were activists in the 70s and had conversions after we were born and started reading a lot about the faith, Catholicism. So my parents really taught us about the faith around the dinner table. And along with that included activism. Uh, so we spent a lot of time at abortion clinics, praying outside of them, holding signs. We also were taught how to speak publicly. So most of my siblings, not all, but most of us have done a lot of missionary work and have spoken publicly and traveled and talking about different topics um, on the faith. And so I have a love of, of the stage. I have a love of story from a very young age. I started reading. I was that girl that got in trouble all the time at school for talking and for reading. <laughs> and I know, like, why do they punish the sanguines? Um, that's one of my beefs. <laughs> I went to a Catholic school. In, I grew up in Michigan, in West Michigan. And yeah, so I always got in trouble for talking, but I also got in trouble for reading, which was crazy. And they would take my books away and then I would read ahead and I would get in trouble for reading ahead. 
it just didn't make any sense to me. So but um, you're reading books that were good stories, right? Yes, and I love I love literature. I love great literature, great books. Um, I read them. I after high school, um, my sister and I. She loves to read as well. We would be reading these really thick. She is an amazing reader. Reads like more impressive. She uh, read Lay Miz, but she read the unabridged version of Lay Miz. I stick to the bridge, bridge versions. I'm not. I'm not as bold as she is. For the for the idiots in the corner, this guy. Uh, what's the difference yeah. between the underbridge and the abridge? So the, it's more content. They take it out. They take out. So she said in Les Mis there was a full chapter about the um, underground pipe system, the sewer system of Paris. And she said, I just. And she has goals. Like she has treats at the end of every book. So, like, I think like Miz was to see it on Broadway. Um, so she has a goal to get through the book. And that helps her get through. But she said she read, I think it was an entire chapter just on the sewer systems of Paris at that time. Because, yeah, because he was, um, because I think at that time you were paid by the word. So they hmm. get really wordy. Yeah. So, Who did that? But, paid by the word. Oh, a lot of them did. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm not as as brilliant as she is to do that. But <laughs> I think that's impressive. But people would always ask us like, oh, what class are you reading that book for? And you'd be like, no, no class. I'm reading it because I want to and I find it interesting. And um, we got a lot of strange looks. But, you know, that's we just get used to that. Um, public school. Yeah, so I went to public school. And there were books I read that some people read for school, but I didn't. So um, I never had to read Tale of Two Cities for school when I the public school I went to um, did not yeah we didn't read there's a lot of stuff I can't believe I didn't read um, we, we went to a blue ribbon communist state school so yeah, yeah. we had we, we yeah. had the upper echelon of uh, the state sponsored schools <laughs> <laughs> blue ribbon communist. yeah yeah that's great yeah so um, after high school, I did missionary work full time for um, almost 10 years and then um, mostly working at college campuses. I worked for an organization that reached out to university students and so and I loved it. It was great. It was perfect for me as a sanguine. I loved meeting people um, and and hosting events and stuff. And so that was a blast for me. But um, yeah, and then uh, from there, I, I've traveled around. Uh, the group I worked with did have, well, does still have um, organizations all around the world, chapters all around the world. So I got to go and visit a lot of those, which was amazing. I got to live in Mexico for a while, not with the organization, but um, because of friends that I met through the organization. I was able to live in Mexico for a while. I visited Scotland. Um, yeah, I've got to travel and experience a lot of the world, which has been amazing and meet tons of people. And yeah, uh, so that was fun. And then I ended up in Los Angeles and there I was working for an organization that trains writers and producers. And I started learning a lot about the industry. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I did not move with the intention of being in the industry. I actually, it was on my heart in Mexico actually to reach out to those in Hollywood. And I didn't understand that. And I was frustrated because I done missionary work in Mexico with the poor. And these are extremely poor people. And so I struggled with that. Like how, why would the Lord call me to LA where there's so much wealth. And one time in prayer, I felt he was saying to me, there's a lot of wealth in LA, but there's a lot of broken and poor spiritually people. It's poor differently. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so, so I was like, okay, I'll go. So I went, I met a ton of people and um, got involved with a lot of different organizations out there and started working with this organization in Hollywood. So I actually worked in Hollywood. Our offices were right below the Hollywood sign um, on a drive up. So that was interesting. Tourists, we'd have to stop because tourists would be in the middle of the road taking photos. I'd be like, come on, we're gonna be late for work. So that was frustrating, but <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So, but it was exciting. It was fun. I got to meet a lot of talented writers. I got to learn a lot about the industry, a lot about storytelling, which I realized I've always loved and I knew more about than I realized because of all the books I've read. Um, You did some table reads. Yeah, I did some table reads with people. I got to work with some people who were doing casting. Um, So I got to read against the actors and talk to the directors afterwards and the producers of, you know, what they thought. So it's really interesting. And, you know, there are times when he has auditions and we have found that it's not helpful for me to help him with his self-tapes because my brain goes back to those days and I want to help direct him and be like, no, I know what they're looking for. And then I get into his head and- You never know what they're it's looking not, for. It's not healthy for our marriage. So we call friends yeah. to come and help him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I ended up being a, um, a victim of a violent crime when I was in Los Angeles. So I had to take three years out for recovery. And then after that, I started speaking about my experience of being a survivor of that violent crime and an earlier one that I experienced when I was 14. And so I shared a message of um, having a journey of forgiveness and finding healing in the power of forgiveness and the sacraments. And I traveled all over the United States speaking about that um, at different conferences and events. And so then later we ended up meeting. I moved back to Los Angeles um, while I was doing all the speaking. And then we met at a film festival. And that brings you up to this idea. I'm sorry? That says meeting at a film festival to people outside of you know, the film industry, they're like, wow, really? That's amazing. To us, we're like, yeah, that's, which one was that during yeah. that day? That was like the 16th and then that oh. was happening yeah. at that time. There's that, always that, film festivals. Day. There's always, yeah. I've, yeah, I've been to several film festivals so, in Los Angeles. Yeah. So what they're trying to say okay. is no big whoop. Yeah, yeah no for us whoop. it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of Hollywood, it's exciting, but yeah. So you mentioned... Still, yeah. You mentioned starting a film company. So what was the genesis of that idea? Why do you even want to do something like this? So there's actually quite a few reasons why we want to start our production company. Um, It's been on our hearts for many years. Um, A couple of years ago, we had a friend. We went to the fraternity parish in Los Angeles with. He's a writer producer, been in the industry for 25 plus years. His name is Jim Sheehan. And he mostly wrote for TV, but then he started writing features. And he gave me some of these scripts and I said, wow, these these are great. I'd love to shop them around for you. He said, yeah, sure. Nothing came of it. No one was interested. And I told my wife, I said, well, why won't we just do them? Why won't we just produce them? We'll hire all the cast and crew and just put it up. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons. Another reason was because there's just nothing out there. I So I had a major, an agent and a manager in LA and the stuff that they were making me read for was just terrible. I was praying I wasn't getting any of these roles that I wasn't going to book them because I was just keeping them happy because, okay, yeah, I'll do the audition. I'll read for it. I gotta, I don't want to be dropped by them, so yes, but they were just so bad. I mean, bottom of the barrel stuff. I couldn't even – I was just trying to get jobs because, you know, struggling actor, you, the saying is you'll take anything you can that's on the table. Mm-hmm. But no, I didn't want any of that but I still kept reading for it. And, you know, I did some other thing. I did a lot of commercials and short films, independent films. I produced a play. I did, I wrote a lot of my stuff as well. So it's not like I wasn't working. It's just some of the bigger stuff that I was reading for was was terrible. It's up until we moved here to Dallas. If I find out that you wrote Terminator 4, we're done. What's that? <laughs> I said, if I find out you wrote Terminator 4, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's a big studio <laughs> But anyways, um, we moved here to Dallas and I was getting, and I got an agent here and I was getting, I was reading for roles bigger than I was than in LA. And I was reading for big pilots and, and big films and 
I had to come here to, to, to audition for bigger things than when I was in LA. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. so but that, even that, the concept was great. Yeah. Not but even good. It wasn't, it wasn't good. The writing was terrible. I mean, it just, there's so many reasons why we wanted to start our own thing and have full creative control of it. And we um, also see a spiritual, um, like the Lord working through this as well. So there were many times in LA, I mean, there were times he read for stuff and we were hoping and praying he would get it because we needed the money. And LA is very expensive to live. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, just to survive, we needed him to get some of these roles. But there were times when we believe our Blessed Mother really interceded for him. I'll give you an example of that. Yeah. So I got an audition to read for a big show on Netflix. It was about um, the drug cartels. Drug cartels. This was the version that they did on the Mexican drug cartels. Because I speak Spanish, I got this little role where I can speak Spanish in. So I went in to read for the role. They noticed that. My accent is pretty good. I know what I'm talking about and I know what I'm doing. So they called me again to read for a bigger role. This time it would be the CIA translator and I would work directly with the main character. So that same week, we decided to reconsecrate my acting career to Our Lady of Guadalupe because it just happened to be her feast day at that time. So we reconsecrated to her and I prepared for the for the for the reading for the I got the sides I got it translated and everything I got it memorized I got you know I got the character down and everything and it needed a Mexican accent so right. he practiced with a friend of ours who spoke Spanish Mexican, Mexican Spanish. with the Mexican yeah. accent instead of the Castilian yeah you know which I'm very good at. but anyways so what happened was the night before I was ready ready to go the night before. I was coming home from work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I lost my voice. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't overusing it. I just, my voice gone. was gone. We don't know, no explanation why. So I we said, started well, texting we started te I was FaceTiming her and I said, hey, my voice, and she said, save your voice, save your voice. You need it for this role. You need it to, to, to read. Okay. We started texting people, asking them to pray. Right. We're freaking so, out. Call the prayer, please. This is an emergency. Water, honey, lemon. Yeah. We did all the remedies yeah. and everything. So I come home, save my voice, we go to bed. The next day, I go to work. In the middle of the day, I have the audition. I go for the audition. I still, no voice, but I tell the casting directors, you know, I I, need, I, I have no voice, but I want to read for it anyways. Oh, yeah, sure. They, they're okay with that. Yeah. I read for the part. Thank you very much. Have a great day. I leave. One hour. One hour. I'm driving back home. One hour, not not even less than an hour. Voice comes back completely restored. We concluded that that was Our Lady of Guadalupe taking away my voice mm -hmm. for some reason. And it was funny because when I was, we got excited for this the second time they wanted to see me is because okay, Our Lady, if I get this part, we promise we're gonna go see you at the basilica. At the basilica, we're gonna. You know, visit you because a lot of the time when you're on a film set, you're just sitting. Around, an actor's sitting around waiting for them to, you know, set up the scene, set the lights, and everything. So it's a lot of waiting. So in between that time, we can go, go to the basilica, thank her for, you know, for this opportunity, and leave. Now, you don't want to. She's not gonna have any of it. She said it in that accent too. <laughs> I don't want you to be a part of this. That's what she said. Our Lady of Bean so, Town. Talk to you. That's right. <laughs> so we concluded that, hey, that part was meant to be mine. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't mine, she didn't have to take my voice away. Yeah. And I would have read for it normally. But she did. Mm -hmm. Some there was some We also have We heard. attributed to yeah. her for taking my voice away because there was some reason she didn't want me to have yeah. that part. Well, and there's, I mean, we found out after the fact, too, that there were a lot of problems where one of the site reps got murdered. Yeah, one of the location and, scouts. Yeah, yeah. Got, and, then, um, and then we had known someone else involved in the on set, another actor, and who has, we had found out, since lost his faith. So, unfortunately, yeah, and so, I mean, it's, there could have been a million reasons, but we don't know exactly which one. 
but we can see that our lady has been protecting us and protecting him from bad content from bad roles from you know um things that cause pain to our lord's heart and our lady's heart mm -hmm. and we want to make good story and with great great talent and with that will never go against god's law that will never blaspheme yeah um even like for okay so for example blaspheming people say oh you know you take our lord's name in vain in the film we want to be able to give the opportunity of the character for example the the, the audience can make can they can conclude on their own that this guy's a bad guy and he most likely he's blasphemed in the past but we're not going to vocalize that in our films you know what i mean like i'm not going to write it in the script for example the audience can have their imagination on their own that yeah like the old days when you could uh a movie could come out and you could write, you could, uh, like all John Wayne was, or all the the military movies of the black yeah. and whites, that there's no cussing or anything like that. But you're like, yeah. how did they do that compared to the yeah. modern day ones? It's almost like you have to have a greater imagination to pull that off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what we want. Yeah, and we want to make movies. Yeah. Um, and that didn't mean that they didn't cuss. Once that, came, once that guy yelled cut, they were effing and jeffing all along. Mm -hmm. you know? But they didn't show it on the screen. Yeah, and we don't want any of that in our in our films. I mean, we're we're figuring out because we do we are working on right. a role with a Boston guy. I'm writing a film about a Boston cop, Boston detective. I have hold on. I got a I got I got a log line for you. I got a little pitch. I got a little log line for you. A Boston a Boston detective pursues a cop killer in East Texas, where the criminal is being protected by a crime ring. That's my little pitch. For you. I'm kind of writing what I know. I'm playing the main character, obviously. I write for myself. It's funny. But you can do that when you're the boss. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. that's... And we, but we don't want it just for him. I mean, so we have, like he mentioned, we have friends who are writers. We have friends who are actors, directors, who have already said they want to work with us. But we want to find unknown talent. We yeah. want to find other people who are struggling. And one of the other reasons Another reason why, why we want to get start. back to it is to help all these people who are struggling in the industry and who have these talents to give them a place to work. And we've been inspired by um, Andrew Torba, uh, the owner and founder of Gab, yeah. who's been talking about creating a parallel society. Correct. And we kind of want to do that with our production company. Of It's a parallel society where, you know, there are certain demands that have been made on a lot of people these days. Um, and we will not um, be. We're not gonna mandate. Yeah, we're not mandating. We're not gonna things. fall into these certain demands that have right. been made. Um, whereas for him, I mean, when he does auditions, it he now has to say it in his. Yeah, life. I have to give my his my status. My status, if I've been pricked or not. Yeah. You know, and I did. I read for two commercials last month, and nothing because I just. I gave him a status that I wasn't pricked, and I believe I that's going to be really overlooked now. Yeah, you know that's gonna be that's gonna be the new trend. If you're not, if you don't roll up your sleeve, you're not gonna get any parts. Yeah, that's for darn sure. So that's another reason why we want to start our own company. Make your own rules on that part, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, your little story reminded me of, uh, I, was, I had a, a chance to get a job with a, a pharmacy. It was a orth orthopedic company for trauma. And they do 24-7, 365 on-call. It was mm -hmm. a guy from the Cleveland Browns from the Raleigh District comes down to see me. He's the head of the group. Just He goes, I never do this. He picked me out, took me out to lunch. Show me an open foot and all that and while I'm eating. He goes, I just want to make sure you didn't throw up while you're eating if you can handle this. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's one of those, it was an emergency. I was supposed to get hired like the next day. So I went down afterwards. We got down with the meeting. Something he was saying was just kind of made me funny. Went before the tabernacle and said, if this is going to affect me one bit, please don't give me this gig. And I needed a job that back, back then. Still do. And... Uh, uh, the next day he calls and goes, yeah, we something happened internally. We just hired from within. So, yeah, that happens quite often if you ask for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of movies, since 
uh, a lot of trad world don't like doesn't like movies. I like movies. You know, people don't like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we love movies. We quote movies. I, my wife try, thinks I'm nuts because I'll quote a movie at her. She goes, you can't remember this date, but you can remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> sister and I speak in quotes yes. of movies. Oh, yeah. Conversations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what movies uh, were you inspired you guys? Uh, we have a lot. I yeah, mean, we movies. have a lot of movies that inspired us. And, I mean, several for different reasons. Yeah. So, I mean, some is specifically story, some is cinematography, like Citizen Kane, the cinematography, groundbreaking. I mean, that's been talked about a million times. It's almost ridiculous to bring it up. It's kind of an obvious, um, yeah. but. Pine, I think Orson Welles really pioneered capture film angles, at a different yeah. time at, at that era, you know. Camera angles. I think the reacting. sound of music is brilliant. Yeah. I think, I mean, some people think of it as like a cute little children's musical, but I think the story is brilliant. I think the way they told it, um, I mean, I love it still as an adult. I know a lot of, I, we met a couple adult males um, who still who love it. You can see. Yeah, I'll admit I like it. I like the yeah. meme. <laughs> you see, the, you see the meme? This is me not caring. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think I haven't yeah. seen it since I was maybe seven or eight in my grandma's in Florida one time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really good. It, it's actually a movie when you see it as a kid, you're, you light up. But when you see it as an adult, you kind of go back to your childhood days. Mm -hmm. But you see it in a different light of you don't see it through the light of the kids and all oh, the kids. Yeah. And, There's so many more around. adult There's, themes yeah. that are in it that you don't even realize. Yeah, so I really, I love that. Um, uh, Patriot, Braveheart. Yeah, yeah Patriot, Patriot was filmed. I, I had a chance to go be an extra for that, but we just didn't go. It was filmed down the street from us, not too far. The no, the Patriot, really? Yeah, the last scene is the Battle of Calpins. They they wouldn't let him on the Calpins battlefield because it's a, it is then what the explosions and all that happened. Right. And uh, so they put it down it somewhere in Rock Hill, South Carolina. But yeah, that whole that last scene, I grew up about 15 minutes from the battlefield, so uh, that was all wow. in our net. That most of the film was in South Carolina. That's oh, yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, that's another reason why we want to start. We're, we're inspired by people who started their own companies, especially like Icon Productions and Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. uh, he started it in '89, '90 because the studios didn't want to, you know, fund his Hamlet picture, so. He started his own, and mm -hmm. we're kind of inspired by that. And he's done really good stuff. So, yeah, we we, we look at the Angelica too. We find her inspiring. She's also another. I mean, she's one who one. she didn't know. She didn't know anything about the industry and Nothing about, about starting a production company. Yeah, and she just WTN like, started a network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she had no money. She didn't know where it was going to come from, and she just completely trusted, completely trusted mm -hmm. in God, and. Not only did money come in, people came in. You know, people that, you know, a lawyer came to her saying, I'm going to help you. you know? And then all these people started flocking to help her and they created what is now EWT. And so we're, we are so inspired by that, too. You know, we have a little bit of experience. She had none. Yes, yeah, one thing, uh, we like to see some movies that are good from Catholics and not movies that yes. are, uh, what's the best word you can say? I don't know, bad. Boring, yeah. lame, lame. lame yeah. Like yeah. Uh, you brought up Gibson. No. Yeah, how many people love the Passion, and that came from yeah. Catholic em em Emmerich's book, basically. Yeah. And we see most of other Catholic movies. Are, I remember, and not this isn't attacking homeschool kids, but the first War of the Vendée movie. I'm going really. That's the of all that stuff those guys went through. We had a movie yeah. with kids playing with plastic guns for it. It, those guys, I go. These guys deserve the Mel Gibson esque type movie for that, for the horror they went through. And we got home again. No offense to the homeschool, they, that was an upstate South Carolina group that put it together. God bless them. We could do better. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we want to do. We want to do better. Yeah. We want to do a lot better. We want to do Mel Gibson esque movies. Yeah. Yeah. What um, are some ideas? I'd love to. 
read for him too. But anyway, what are some ideas you got? No, uh, maybe that's not even the worst, but like, uh, I would love that'd be like my dream one. Like, we should. We, I would love to do this something like this. Oh yeah, I mean, his dream would be to work with Mel Gibson for sure. Sure. Um, there's a couple other guys, you know, because so we're trying not to be Hollywood, but there are a few guys in Hollywood he would love to work as with. an actor too, yeah. because I just find they're. And, and who'd be willing to work with us even. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, just like, again, like, we're not falling into, you know, certain things, certain, you know, pricks and, and masks and, you know, any other mandates. But um, there are people we'd love to work with. Love to work with Denzel. Yeah, really Denzel's great. And um, Tim, Tim Roth. Roth. Yeah, oh my gosh. He's brilliant. He's, I loved the show Lie to Me. It was brilliant, but his acting was really what yeah. drew us in. I wasn't a fan of the storytelling the last season. He wasn't even acting, I, though. That's the thing. He was just being yeah. himself, which is the best type of acting. You know, when I'm not acting, I'm not playing characters. I'm just being myself. And that's how I found the best way to, to act. Just weird mm -hmm. as I would. You know, there's methods and stuff that you have to play for the camera, but... That's yeah. the best way. I know and nothing. I, I have zero clue when you start talking. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I know. No, I don't. I'm <laughs> acting right now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but you can tell good acting from bad acting. I can tell you watch CNN or, you know, things like that. You can, you can tell some bad acting right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Politics, as politics is show business for ugly people. Oh my gosh, that's another thing. I think that politicians, they're the worst. They're so, <laughs> they are so lame when it comes to just trying to be funny. There's nothing funny about them. They're lame, they're boring. I don't know, that's a different topic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm flying off the cuff here. I'm almost, we're, I'm almost done with your little script that you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the movie well, breakdown. Yeah, uh, yeah, we have the like the movie breakdown. Yeah, the movie breakdown idea you wanted to do. Well, some other movies that we love, um, The Incredibles. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, great. yeah. Yeah, there's so it's great how really family focused. Um, but you can enjoy it as an adult too, without the kids. Yeah. I love all those cartoon movies. Yeah, no, they're really good. The first two. Toy Story, Toy Story, the first one, yeah. and even the second one. Second but too. Yeah, that those are good. I like old movies too. I love one of my favorites is Sunset Boulevard. That's a really good one. I haven't yeah. seen that one. Made in the fifties. Okay. It was. It's really good. It really demonstrates. It shows what Hollywood, Hollywood really is. is. Yeah. From the studio point of view, from the actors, the actors' point of view, from the writers' point of view, it's got. It's it's a great film. Sunset yeah. Boulevard. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah. But there's violence and... 50s violence. 50s violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Not a happy ending, but, I mean, it's Hollywood, so... There were, there were some good films back in the day made, too, that were considered Catholic films, but not faith-based. The Mission. I mm. love The Mission. I know some people would find it immodest and and then I mean that my only issue is um there is a line where the bishop is you know trying to shut down the mission and the Jesuit priest is saying is defending one of the reasons and one of the reasons the bishop's trying to shut him down is saying that these natives are still killing their young and and the priest instead of saying yeah we're trying to convert them on that instead is like no, you don't understand because the jungle is so dangerous and stuff. You know, they can only have like one or two anymore. They have to kill. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these people do the judgments better. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at that time. Yeah, yeah so I remember right. Black Robe. You ever seen I don't know that one. You ever seen the Black Robe? Or have I? Is that no. one? It's a historically like fiction movie that. on a priest going through. Uh, Kind of like you kind of like jokes in a sense character um, black robe mm -hmm. i feel like there's a scene at the beginning a long time ago is it really like is it pretty old 80s 90s 90s i think yeah I, something I think like that 90s in high school 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some great films that they did. Man where, for All Seasons. Yeah, Man for All Seasons. Yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody loves everybody, it. Everybody loves it, right? Yeah. Like, it almost doesn't count because everyone loves it. Um, yeah. That's a good one. I hated Rudy. Rudy sucked. You didn't like Rudy? Well, Rudy was a, he, he was a terrible player. He, he, he stunk. I know. Yeah, he was terrible. Maybe. I don't. I was more of a Rocky because the first Rocky's really Catholic. Okay. Yeah. Second Rocky, yeah. they get rid of the Catholic stuff as you go on. But at the first Rocky, it was Catholic all over the place. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I, I don't. I, Rudy was. Rudy, it was a good movie, but uh, what was that? Story. Uh, right. What was the? Uh, there was a kid that he's buried in Denver. He's from Denver. He played. For, he wanted to go to Notre Dame. Ended up going to Texas. They named the scoreboard after him. I forget the name of the movie. It just came out a couple years ago. Uh, the guy that played Two Face in the Batman movie, last Batman movies, he was the he was the coach. Uh, uh, man, I can't think of the guy's name. Anyway, that kid was a stud. He, I mean, he played one year, had cancer in his knee, ended up losing his leg at the end of the year. They they named the scoreboard after him. Catholic wow. dude, they, they're showing that they got you know it's, it's a cat, you know praying and such, going to mass, receiving on his knees, and wow. uh, so I look at him going, I'll take him over Rudy in the draft pick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, well, I like the movie Invincible too, even though like that's not necessarily mm -hmm. Catholic, but I I like it. Um, I like the storytelling. I like how they leave things to the imagination um, with the relationship. I I think it was well done. I, it's something that a lot of people can watch and be okay with. Yeah, I wish Marky Mark would do a lot better with movies. He talks a good game in no, ads and movie. interviews. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's a level that people don't understand. A lot of Catholics and Christians out there don't realize that a lot of people in Hollywood will talk the talk to promote their movies to get they want that audience. They want you as Christians sure. and Catholics, whether their project is Christian or Catholic whatever project they want they want that audience and so if that means saying hey i'm catholic and i'm you know i go to church every day and blah blah i do this and that so then catholics are like oh great i'll watch their movies yeah that's pray, what they're after pray the rosary yeah they'll drop something that, we've seen you know, a lot of actors work on a somewhat catholic film and they'll say yeah i'm they hit at like a conversion or something and then um i've taken a break from social media but i would see on social media this huge all these Catholics now wanting to interview him and talk about him and be like, oh my gosh, you guys, like, we got to see this movie because he's converting, you know, blah, blah. And I'm checking their Instagram and they're high as a kite at all these, at this party or these events. And I'm going, you guys, it's all talk to promote. It's all talk to get your money and to get you to see their movies. Like, stop playing into a game, you know? And, and we were telling someone this and they're like, well, if they say it's Christian, I'm still going to go because I have to support the Christians. And I'm going, but it's not necessarily the Christians who are making these movies. No. All the major studios have their own faith-based division. division now. Yeah. They're making money from you, yeah. you know. So, so if a, if a big, if a big movie that the studio put out that had a nine-figure budget, for example, it had a nine-figure budget and it bombed in the box office that same year. The same studio has maybe five or six faith-based Christian films that come out and they already have their their target audience locked down. It's it's these Christians and they're going to make their money back from the bomb that they released. And that's how they cut their losses. And then slowly what they do after that is they, they creep in their own agenda into these films and that's how, you know, slowly but surely they start indoctrinating them. So... We've seen it. We've yeah, lived in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to even think of some Catholic movies recently that were. Oh, it's we we basically. You can only. I mean, there, I think there are more secular movies that are more Catholic than than movies that are Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. there's that one with uh, Kevin uh, Hart where he's helping the quadriplegia guy out. Oh yeah. Yes. That was a great. That was a great so flick. Good. Brian Cranston. Yeah. Yeah. Shows virtue and such like that, and there is great flick. And, but it's, Both. I'm sorry. Yeah, there was growth and redemption. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. That was actually based 
that was the second version that they came out there a couple of years ago. That was a movie based in France. They made a version of that. So they re-released, they remade it with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, which they did just as an absolutely great job too with that film. I remember that uh, last uh, Cinderella movie, not the one that Netflix butchered, but uh, it was the last feature film. She's coming down the steps and tells her family, her, uh, her stepmother, I forgive you. And I remember Mike and I looking at it going, wow, they put that in a, in a Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are now? people no. There are people who are trying. There are Christians and yeah. Catholics who really are trying um, to make a difference in Hollywood. And I used to believe that you can. But nowadays, I actually, that's why we're doing our own thing. I don't think you really can make a difference in Hollywood. I think they're just too much in control to run as a business. So, yeah, that's why we're doing our own thing. But that's what we want. We want to make great stories that show elements of virtue, that show elements of even Catholicism, but not in a way where we're preaching, not in a way where we're showing it down your face. It's just we're telling a story. And if this person goes to Mass or if there's a funeral, we're going to show that. Yeah. And and that's, yeah, yeah. Well, you could show you could show good beauty. Uh, what was that movie with? Was it Pacino or De Niro when he's the? They talk De about Niro. that. Yeah, he's doing a mass. He's he's a priest yes. in the opening film, opening part of the film. You can yeah. show so beauty funny. like that. Yeah, exactly. Niro, That's exactly yeah. what we want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was De Niro and. Um, oh, what's his name? Yeah, he was in The Godfather with him. Uh, You know these names in the back of your mind. Ah, that's all right. Own. Yeah. yeah. No, but yeah. But story sell. Really... Sp- story yeah. sell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that holy no, face that's, image that's, that's behind you. Even like that holy that? face image behind you right there. You yeah. start telling about what happened and we're bringing Leo DuPont. And nobody knows about the story of Leo. And you bring that in with how the holy face came through with St. Mary, uh, uh, St. Pierre. And then throw in St. Therese on top of that. That's a heck of a story right there. People are just, they can't yeah. stop listening to. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, we have uh, St. Therese here with us. Oh, yeah. In, uh, we have a first class relic of her. Yeah. Patroness of missionaries. And we're going to make her one of our patronesses. Yeah, she's one our, of our patron saints for our production. For our production. Yeah. Which we've dedicated to our Blessed Mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Even a and good movie on her would be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, after yeah. she dies, she's helping warriors. She's appearing to soldiers, helping yeah, you know, ship at sea. Be... She's connected to the Holy Face and Leo. Uh, right. yep. There's a ton there. It was a lot of gold to dig up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to do, though. Yeah. But do, you, do you like a little setup here? we got the... Uh... Got our house enthroned, Sacred Heart, our Holy Face. We've been doing the uh, the um, Holy Face challenge that you've put out. Hey, the, uh, we got there's three. We're up to three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been doing that every night. So cool. Uh, that was that was a Father Mateo thing. That wasn't anything I I came up with. It was one of those like right. I was reading the Firebrand and going, wow, this. First off, he was amazing. Second off, the challenge he yeah. gave. Yeah. If we had more guys talking about that uh, than other things, I won't get into I it. Agree. We'd be a yeah. way better off society, as well as a church, as a trad movement. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's, it's shocking to me how many people don't know and haven't read and and don't aren't, aren't excited about taking a challenge like that. Yeah. But as soon as we heard, we were like, we're in, let's do it. So, we gotta but push ourselves. Do you want to talk about our um, our name, the production company? Oh yeah, yeah. What's the name? Called Flowering Thorn Productions. That- we named it after Our Lady. Yes, and that's a title of her from France, Our Lady of the Flowering Thorn. Right. Hmm. Not a very known title, but that's specifically why yeah. we chose her. And there's a really neat a really cool story, story, yeah, of the apparition there. So, so a long time ago. Roman era, persecution of Christians, the the Christians were hiding all the articles, you know, pictures, statues from being destroyed 
during the persecutions, and one of these things that they hid was a statue of Our Lady. Years later, maybe like a century or something, so centuries later, they had, you know, the Crusades happened, and the soldier, there was a soldier who left for the Crusades. He died and left behind his wife. Now, the widow, she got this huge castle, and she one day went up for a walk in the Hura Mountains, and she saw a thorn bush that was glowing. She at first thought they were thieves plotting in the night, so she sort of kept her distance, but then she realized there was no flaming fire and people talking. She went up to the thorn bush and saw and kind of opened it up and saw that statue of Our Lady. She took the statue home. She had a friend who was a priest that they venerated the statue all night and prayed in front of it all night long. When they fell asleep, they woke up the next day that it was gone. They went back to the spot where they found her and she was there. So they did it. They said that this is where she wants to be. This is where they're going to be. This is where they're going to leave her. And they ended up building a chapel, a chapel yeah. and a, um, a monastery. A monastery. Yeah. But it was, it ended up being destroyed, overgrown. So when we found out about this title of Our Lady, we were very excited and we saw that it wasn't taken, it wasn't claimed. So we said, let's take Our Lady of the Flowering Thorn to be our patroness for our production company. So okay. that's how it started. It's a nice little, <laughs> Yeah. I hope I made that story interesting. I wasn't reading from oh. a script. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, to finish well, up. We some, well, we have some movies that we can break down. Yeah, yeah, go for it. So. We were talking about Denzel, actually, mm -hmm. earlier. Man of this Fire. movie that I like of him. Now, I wouldn't really recommend watching it. Watching it. Especially I mean, with children. I guess, I yeah. mean, it depends on. How you feel? Because there are scenes. There are scenes of immodesty. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of violence in it. A lot of violence. But I was so intrigued with the story because it's about a man who's very broken. He's an alcoholic. He had a very sinful past. He was a contract killer for the government. And he comes to Mexico to visit his friend. And he gets hired to be a, a bodyguard for this little girl. American family in Mexico. And this man, is, he's just broken. He's drinking every night. He wants to kill himself. Mm -hmm. But he comes back, kind of, he comes back, he becomes redeemed again. Well, comes back, back to, to life because yeah. of the innocence and love of this little girl. And she, give, she gives him something to live for. Yeah. And that's a great, those are great elements in the film because it was directed by Tony Scott. And I really like that he, he came back to life because of her love and innocence and she gets kidnapped. That's when the movie kind of takes a real wild turn. So he ends up finding all the guys involved in the kidnapping, kills them, tortures them. Yeah. Goes on a revenge bender. Goes on a revenge bender. Not biblical. We don't do that. Yeah. But then he finds out that she's still alive. So what really got me in the end was that he ends up giving, spoiler alert, he ends up giving his life in exchange for hers. Mm -hmm. So he, they kill him, but he becomes redeemed again. So he had that despair and hopelessness. Then he met her restored his life the hope came back again he stopped drinking and then despair again revenge find out she was alive hope was restored again and now finally there's a there's a great line in the film christopher walken says that creasy he's he's you know there's many artists and creasy's art is death and he's about to paint his final masterpiece and that's his masterpiece. His masterpiece is giving his life up to save this girl. That's why I was so drawn to the film. 
We wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Right. <laughs> I mean, depending, if you feel like you can watch it, you can, you're fine with violence. Sure. There is, again, some immodesty. Um, yeah, I saw that two years ago. I think I saw that. Yeah, it was. It was. I thought it was a cool flick. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, there's the storytelling is brilliant. There yeah. are it's kind of the movies that I want to act in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really beautiful. Yeah. So much redemption, so much, but just seeing the growth and how, yeah, he stops drinking and he has something to live for, and he's willing to create relationships in his life with people where before he was completely shut off and, um, and doubting, you know, I mean, at the beginning he asked, do you think God could ever forgive us for what he does? He says to his buddy, Christopher Walken's right. you know, character. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And so there, you can feel that despair. Yeah. Um, and, and then for him to change and grow, it's, it's really beautiful if you can stomach it. <laughs> well, that's another. I mean, even I, like I had to turn my head. I couldn't watch a lot of the violent scenes. Because there's torture as well. Like, it's not like he just goes and kills people. He tortures them. Right. So, yeah. When I say violent, <laughs> I mean violent. Great yeah. dialogue. But, yeah, very great dialogue. Great acting. Yeah. What's the kind of stuff that I don't want to be in? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm good at playing the cop, the bad guy, the creeper, the kind of, like, the, the mobster who's just the silent type that doesn't have to say much, and he gets his point across. Um, good cop, bad cop, dirty cop. I'm good at playing those Russian accents, Russian mobster types. Obviously, because you know, I speak Polish or Polish mobsters. Although, although those aren't very popular, it's the Russian mobsters that are popular. <laughs> yeah, I haven't met any Polish mobsters that really scared me anytime soon. <laughs> I'm writing actually in my Boston Cop film. I'm writing some scenes about Polish mobsters instead of Russian mobsters. Yeah. yeah. You got any you others? They exist. Oh yeah, they do. You got any others uh, for everybody or no? What's that? You got another movie for anybody? Oh. Oh yeah. A, a movie to re- to talk about? Yeah. 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 We have a couple. So Joe versus the volcano. Now I've known people in the past who roll their eyes at me when I say that Joe versus the volcano is one of my favorite films. But I don't care. And I was excited when he watched it. He really liked it. And okay. it's quirky. Um, it's silly. There is a cult following. Um, it was the first movie that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan uh, did together. They've since done several other movies. Um, and she plays three characters. Yeah. People would ask me, who's in it? And I'd say, Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks, Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan, and Meg Ryan. Yeah, but it's it's really great. So it's about um, this hypochondriac man who has PTSD. Oh, he's hypochondriac because he has PTSD. And he's told that he's dying. And being told that he's dying actually brings him back to life. Like he becomes aware of life again and beauty. And he's looking for beauty. He's looking for love. And, and he says, there's a great line where he, he's working in this horrible place. Everything's dark. There's a crooked path to the factory. And Everyone's walking like zombies yeah. into it. And he says, like, I've been doing this for three years. I've sold my soul. $300 a week. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's... That's one of the themes of the film. that They mentioned selling your soul yeah. several times. And, and you can it, you and can losing come, your soul and losing your soul to something so cheap and worthless and meaningless and and we look at today's world especially in hollywood how people have done that you know, they just completely mm-hmm. sell their soul for nothing for what fame money yeah so it applies to today's world and today's standards there's um there's a nice scene where they're driving into la and she said, Meg Ryan says, that's L.A., what do you think? And he goes, it looks fake. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. But anyways. Um, it's a great movie to quote. Yeah, great I movie love, to quote. Yeah. And nothing's done by chance in the film. There's so many details that are in it. So there's like that lightning bolt crooked road mm-hmm. that appears everywhere in the movie. Yeah. And so it's neat to see it and to put together your own ideas of what that can mean. Like, does it mean I'm walking a crooked path to my destruction or, you know, right. 
to the volcano. To the volcano? Yeah. Um, what does the volcano mean? I mean, what's great about movies and stories is that things can mean something different from ev for everyone. Sure. So we can all interpret it differently. I mean, there is, you know, truth, but um, through story, we can all relate to it differently. So, you know, what is our volcano? What are we walking to? Um, that crooked path up the volcano. Like, what, it, what does that mean for us? What is our destruction? Yeah. And so I love it. And, of course, there's, like, silliness, but even in the silliness. So they he has to go to this island in the Pacific, and that's a tiny island with a big volcano, and the volcano needs to be appeased every, what, like, thousand years every or something? Every hundred years. Every hundred years, and that means someone has to jump in the volcano. In their own free will, not like someone course, gets pushed yeah. in, sacrificed, but someone has to go and actually jump in in their own free will to appease the volcano god. Yeah. So they asked Joe since he's dying, and he's right. like, sure, I'll do it. Um, I have nothing to live for. Yeah, he's like, I'm dying. And then after he finds out he's dying, that's where, like, like we said, he starts to become alive. The camera angles get better. The lighting, he becomes, you can just tell his face is, there's better makeup on his face. He doesn't look like he's got this yellow, dark, yeah. dark circles under his eyes. He just looks better. The lighting gets better. So you know, I love so, how visually it also yeah, it captures you, it visually. Which is very well. theology of the body, you know, the spiritual points to the physical, well, the physical points of the spiritual. Right. And so I like that how in this movie you can see it on a physical level as well as, you know, it's revealing the emotional journey that he's going on. Right. And he's questioning too. He says he talks to God and yeah. and what does God want me to do? You know, so, and there's, so we like, I like the scene with the, um, with the indigenous people on the island where the volcano is. And they warned them, they said they like orange soda. They're addicted They're to They're addicted it. to orange soda. So that's kind of weird. That's kind of a weird thing to be addicted to as a whole group of people. And we were asked, what does the orange soda represent? They love it. They're just always yeah. drinking it. My cousin, who, so my family loves this movie. It's yeah. a family, like we can all agree on it, which is very, I'm the oldest of six. There's hardly anything we all agree on. But we all love this movie, including some of my cousins. And one of my cousins, Brother Paul, he, um, who's a Benedictine, right. um, hence brother. I call my cousin brother. Um, and I, um, yeah, he says he thinks that the orange soda represents materialism and how we're holding on. They're addicted to it. Like, they won't let it go, even as they're being destroyed. Even to their death, they will yeah. not let go of the orange soda. And they worship it, too, because they flatten it. They use that as necklaces yeah. and decorated cans, pieces. Yeah. They basically worship the orange soda more than they do the volcano. So, it's a great film. If you haven't seen Joe versus the Volcano. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. yeah. So what can people do to help you out? Well, the first main thing would be to pray, for, pray us. for us. We we could use a lot of prayers. Yeah. We're definitely a David and Goliath situation. Yeah. Um, we're also calling out for people to come join us. So people who are writers, actors, producers. Yeah, if you're um, a writer. Lighting. Pitch us your script. Sound. You yeah, name it, if, yeah. If you're if you're an actor, send me your reel, your reel, your resume. If you're a director, send me your reel. Wow, we'd love to hear from some distributors and investors. Yeah, they so, contact you. Right now, you got a website for them to contact you, or? We're, we're, we're working on a website, website, but we have an email address. We will. Uh, I'll put that underneath up. in the show notes then. Yeah. yeah, in the show notes, yeah. It's so you got it. For those who have not figured that out yet, you got to click underneath the box. There's a drop down. It drops down. Push, there's a big thing right there. All the information <laughs> will be down there to get in touch with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but our um, our email address is floweringthornproductions at protonmail.com. Easy enough. All but, but if you can't spell it, just look underneath. You'll be able to click in the yeah. show notes. Yeah. So a lot of people might not like the idea of movies and Hollywood or anything like that, but we're on YouTube. We're where this. Yeah. We're, uh, my idea of this is go where the uh, 
go where we're needed. Where are the people? People are online. The people are on YouTube. They're on Facebook. We got to be where those guys are. Uh, So you guys are trying to get something out where the people are as well. Exactly. I think movies are very important. Yeah. I mean, they're the, they're the new books. I hate saying that as a reader, but it's true. Mm -hmm. They're the new books. People aren't reading and, and they want stories. They want to be entertained. And so they're going to movies, whether it's, I mean, even the real box office is dying out, but streaming, everyone wants a movie. Everyone wants to watch something. And so unless it's Black Widow, nobody wanted to watch Black Widow. Black Widow. Yeah, apparently nobody wanted to watch that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, well, there's a lot of, that's the point too, though. There's a lot that's being made that people don't want to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't watch the new stuff hardly at all. Yeah. So, because it's just not good. Some, some of that stuff is agenda driven. We don't want to do that. We don't want to make woke movies. We don't want to make yeah. agenda driven movies. We just want to tell the truth. And, and tell good story. And tell a good story in an entertaining way. And you can't, you know, we can't do it so in your face, too. That's another problem we have. We want to be able to do, yeah. to write subtle films, to write, to give subtle stories. And the people kind of, they get the tools and they connect the dots themselves instead of, you know, everything explained everything to you, explained to you on the nose, face, yeah. preaching to the choir. We don't want to do any of that. And you don't have to give them a catechism class, but you can make it good, true, and beautiful. Exactly. That's exactly what we want to do. Can we use that? Can we? Can we? I want a nickel for every time I hear it. I put it. I put it in our mission statement, and then he took it out because he's like, "It's too cliche. Everyone (laughs) says it. Even the Protestants are saying it now." And I was like, "Because we we looked at a Protestant website recently, and they said it too." And I was like, "I know, but that's exactly what we want to do." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Forget about it. Just go ahead and use it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Sebastian Rosario, and no, I appreciate it. Thank you for guys coming on. Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for having us. We'll talk soon. Maybe we'll do a follow-up, see you when you get the website up, and if you got anybody calling in, if you get any ideas coming down the pipe, too. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, in addition to the script that I'm writing, um, some scripts that our friends have that we want to do, I'm also looking into writing a World War II movie about a guy Amazing story. Amazing story, but we need to but get the rights. I'm, I'm looking at how to acquire the rights for yeah. it right now. But it, yeah, it's based on a true story. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, guys, no, appreciate it. We'll talk soon. Thank yeah. you, Steve. God bless you, Steve. God bless you.